0: Hello and welcome to Couch Church, a podcast from Ballina and Lennox Head Anglicans. I'm Reverend Mandy Larkin, and today I'm sharing with you from the Gospel of Mark. It's chapter 9, verses 2 to 9, where it reads Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice this is my son the beloved listen to him suddenly when they looked around they saw no one with them anymore but only jesus as they were coming down the mountain he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the son of man had risen from the dead now we might be very familiar with these transfiguration passages they come up once a year in our lectionary But I've been thinking about the transfiguration this week from the perspective of the disciples. Three very important things happened in the lead-up to this experience which is recorded in our Gospel passage. Peter has confessed Jesus as God and Jesus has shared for the very first time that the Son of Man will be persecuted, be killed and after three days rise again. He's also just said to them, If you want to be my followers, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. And it's after these things, about a week later, and Jesus says to Peter, James and John, come on guys, let's go for a walk, just the four of us. So off they go, trekking up the mountain. And suddenly before their very eyes, Jesus is transformed, metamorphosized and changed. Now I know that it can get hot and sweaty walking up a mountain, but I'm pretty sure this is not what the disciples expected after their strenuous walk. And suddenly there's Moses and Elijah there, and they're having this great old chat with Jesus. And our disciples just don't understand what's going on. And I imagine it's all pretty frightening and that they were gobsmacked. Then our friend Peter, he opens his mouth and blurts out, Let's make three tents for you guys. Now, I think he just wants this moment to continue because he recognizes that something really special is going down and he doesn't want it all to end. And the special thing is Jesus right in front of them, the glory of God shining out around him. Jesus shining with the glory of who he truly is. And that's God. Now, remember that just a week before, Peter has confessed Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. So he's come from this place of understanding straight into a place of misunderstanding. Jesus is right in front of him, shining with the glory, and he just doesn't get it. It's like he's forgotten what happened the week before. And the voice from the cloud speaks. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Is it a general rebuke to Peter for his hapless remark? Maybe. Is it a reminder to each of the disciples about the truth they seem to have forgotten in this moment? It certainly is a call to them to listen. And the very next thing that Jesus says, it's an instruction for them not to tell anyone what they had witnessed until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Jesus' transfiguration happens on top of a mountain, and mountains are important places in biblical imagery. Both Elijah and Moses had met God on a mountain, Elijah in the still small voice, and Moses amidst an earthquake, wind, and fire, when he received the stone tablets with the law. Mountains are places to meet God. We sometimes have our own metaphorical mountaintop experiences in our walk with the Lord. The only problem is they don't last forever. And we need to come back down that mountain at some point to return to ordinary life. The trick is learning to carry those mountaintop experiences within us as we go about the ordinary and often painful experiences of life. This mountaintop experience marked Peter. It was something he never forgot. In his second letter, Peter recounts this experience of being an eyewitness to Jesus's majesty bestowed on him by the Father. The experience of hearing the voice of God say, this is my son, my beloved. And John records it in his gospel. The word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son full of grace and truth. It seems that the disciples did take the words of God spoken from the cloud to listen to Jesus seriously. In the verse that follows our passage that I read today, it says that as they left and went back down the mountain after this experience was all over, that they did keep it to themselves, but they questioned and pondered on the things they saw. In that moment, during the experience, they really didn't understand what they were seeing and how it all went together. And you can tell from the description in the gospel that there were no words, nothing that would adequately describe what had happened. Jesus is whiter than white, brighter than bright. It's a supernatural sight. They just seen a glimpse of God in all of his glory, And the only way they can explain it is to relate it to bleach, something like the promise of vanished nappy sand oxy action for whiter whites. And that just doesn't even get close to the brilliance and dazzle of God's glory. Now, all jokes aside, the disciples had no grid in which to place what they'd seen, no reference point from which to make sense of what had happened. And it wasn't until all the bits and pieces that they'd seen and experienced in their time with Jesus, when all of that came together, that they could finally make sense and understand. It was decades later that Peter wrote about this experience in his letter and John included it in his gospel. And it's clear that the time spent reflecting, praying, pondering over what had taken place and what they'd seen, had given them a broader understanding. They'd been able to understand because time had given them the opportunity to do so. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong because I like Peter. I can relate to him out of all of the the disciples because to me, he's just authentically human. And if I'm honest, when I'm faced with a situation I don't understand and when I don't know what's going on, I've been known to open my mouth and say the first thing that comes to mind too. And most of those times, those words are spoken in ignorance and from a place of misunderstanding. From Peter's hapless remark about building tents, it's clear that he's opened his mouth to change feet, so to speak. He's misunderstood about Jesus's supremacy. But the voice from the cloud affirms Jesus is greater, he's the son, the beloved. Greater than Moses who represented the law and Elijah who represented the prophets, Jesus himself said he came to fulfill both the law and the prophets. Peter's also misunderstood what Jesus came to do, that this beloved son, Jesus must suffer and die. And he's misunderstood the concept of glory that glory comes through the suffering and that he could do nothing to stop it or delay it. The transfiguration was a kind of preview of Jesus's future glory. Now, in the prologue of his gospel, John speaks of the transfiguration as not only a preview of future glory, but a statement about the glory Jesus already had before the foundation of the world. The transfiguration for him confirms Jesus is the eternal son, the one who was from the beginning. Jesus is the eternal son, as well as the Messianic son, the son of God, born of a virgin, as promised in the scriptures. So we see both in the transfiguration, a picture of man and God, a picture of Jesus's existing glory and his future glory. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Now, there may be a circumstance or situation in your life at the moment from which you can't make sense. And it might be a situation like the disciples found themselves in, in the transfiguration. There's something they thought they understood about Jesus and then out of the blue comes this new piece of information and suddenly nothing seems to make sense anymore. It's left you in a state of confusion. Um, Maybe you've been too quick to draw conclusions about your situation and now you're conflicted and just struggling to make sense of everything that's going on. From this place of turmoil, it's easy for us sometimes just to react rather than to respond thoughtfully and prayerfully. In these things, though, there's always an invitation to sit and to rest, and to take them to God in prayer. To remember that it takes time to understand, and that if we get it wrong, that's okay, we're human. Because it's in that place of resting, and struggling, and questioning, and pondering, and praying, that true understanding and wisdom comes. I'm always encouraged by Paul's words in 2 Corinthians, where he says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I'm encouraged by the realization of the Jesus who was glorified and transfigured on that mountaintop, who radiated a light brighter than bright, is alive in me by his spirit. I'm encouraged that in those moments when following Jesus and the situations I find myself in life, when those are heavy, when taking up the cross is a really heavy burden to carry, that I am not forsaken. So I want to encourage you today, no matter your circumstances, the truth of Jesus is in the transfiguration, is in his glorification, The eternal son, the messianic son, the one who holds the whole world together in his hands, the one that holds you in his hands, who shines with the glory of God that he had from the beginning. If you're a believer, he lives inside you too. And while we may have that treasure in clay jars, the light of Jesus is shining in our hearts. And it's in his power and it's in his glory that the light of Jesus is shining in our hearts. And it's his power and his glory that's alive in us too, transforming us into the image of him. The Lord be with you.